Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Man, I felt just a shift this week and maybe how we're going to do our service this morning. And I know that uh, this is our commitment and communion service and we're going to do all of those things. But I feel like God just directed me down a path and I've asked the Lord sincerely to just lead me today and guide me. And I want to preach what I feel like the Lord has given us, given me for us, and uh, given me for me as well. And uh, I want you to join me in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And I'm going to do my very best to make use of our time and to not waste any time. But I want the Lord to continue to move in this service. I believe what we're experiencing up to this moment is just really setting the platform, setting the tone and the atmosphere for what we feel right here in this house. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Amen. If the Lord will just help me today, and if you'll make this journey with me, I want to speak from this subject this morning, the curse of contentment. The curse of contentment. Amen. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for the privilege that you've given us to be together, not just together in the body, but Lord, you have been with us here. You have met with us here You've moved up and down the aisles and you have spoken to us, O oh Lord. Multiple voices today, God. You have spoken and used different vessels, Lord, to minister to this congregation today. And I'm asking you now to use one more voice and that being mine. And anoint my heart and my soul today. And I pray that you'll anoint me to deliver the word and anoint all of us, including me, to receive your word in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. And I realize that for many, the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3, is not an unfamiliar place. But in Revelation, the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to the churches, the seven churches of Asia. And he had something to say to each and every one of those churches. And then we get here to chapter 3, verse 14, and he speaks unto the church of the Laodiceans. It is a very dreadful word. It is a powerful, poignant word. He said, I know your works. You're not in or out. 
you're not on or off. You're not hot or cold. And he said, I would that you would be either hot or cold, but because you're not, you're in this muddy middle. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. And then in a tone of rebuke, he said, you say I'm rich. You say I am increased with goods. And you say I have need of nothing. But here's what you don't know. Beneath that veneer you call success and beneath that veneer that you call all things sufficient, he said, this is what you really are. You're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. There were two major problems with the church of the Laodiceans. First, there was something wrong with their commitment, obviously, because the scripture says that they were not cold or hot. They just couldn't commit themselves now, I will tell you from experience, and I think I could get a few amens on this, that the most miserable place you will ever be in your life is that place of non-commitment. Just almost, just right there at the edge, but you're not in the world, but you're not all the way in the church. You're just somewhere in that middle, and that is the most miserable place that a man or a woman can stand. And so they were suffering from not being committed. Secondly, there was something wrong with their self-image because they thought, according to what they could see, that they had need of nothing. They believed themselves to be the envy of all people when, in fact, they were pitied of all people. Sadly, their twisted thinking, they said, we are rich. But the Lord said, you may be rich in this world's goods or you may think that you have, and in fact, they did, uh, seem to have the things of the world and, uh, and natural things, but he said, but really what you don't know is that you're miserable, you're poor, and you're naked. The church of Laodicea had, had the distinction of all the seven churches that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to. He, this was the one church that the Lord had not one single word of praise to the other churches. If you remember, he would praise them for their good and correct them for their error. But to the church of Laodicea, there was not one single word of praise. Amen. That alone, I think, would be a serious thing to consider if the Lord couldn't find one good thing to say. Life is not about things. I know that the society that we live in certainly seems to prompt us and nudge us toward things in life. But things, we understand, are going to fade. They come and they go. And the only thing that's going to matter in the end is our relationship with God. That's what's going to matter the most. I get that we need certain things in life. There are some fundamental things that we need in life. And so I'm not being dangerous and... and uh, and irresponsible this morning, but I will tell you that the things of this world, just as they came, they are going to go. And shiny things eventually fade. New things become old. Amen. Moth and, and things of the world will corrupt. They will, they will corrupt. Jeremiah 9 and 23. The Bible says, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, 
that I am the Lord which exercise love and kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. I'm not gonna just try to repeat everything here this morning, but I just wanna tell you that that is a very powerful word of the Lord. He said, you need to tell the mighty man, don't put everything in your strength. And you need to tell the rich man, don't put everything in your riches. But if you're gonna glory in anything, amen, he said, you need to know that I am the Lord. They're your relationship with me, that's what's gonna matter. We're living in a world where laying up treasures here on earth seems to be the most common practice of the day. We gotta get more, tear down barns and build bigger barns, but it behooves the church I believe to find the vein of the real riches of the grace of Jesus Christ. These treasures can only be found by those that will seek him with a sincere heart. I don't wanna just start this journey. I didn't just start this race, but I wanna finish this race. Amen, I wanna know the Lord. I wanna know that he is the Lord that exercises love and kindness as Nehemiah or Jeremiah said. Amen, I wanna know that he is a God that executes judgment and righteousness in the earth. He said, if you wanna delight, delight in those things. I wanna make sure that I hook my cart to the right thing. I wanna make sure that I connect my life to the right thing. I don't wanna buy into a pipe dream that will fade and vaporize one day. I wanna connect myself to the real thing. There's an interesting passage, or at least interesting to me, passage of scripture that is found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter three. I will turn your attention here this morning. Deuteronomy chapter three and verse 11. The Bible says this, for only Og, the king of Bashan, or Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabeth of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth thereof, after the cubit of a man. Amen, this verse speaks about the last remaining giant for the children of Israel. They were on their way to the promise that God had made. We've heard a lot about that promise this morning. They were on their way to, to receive the promise that God had made them. To be sure, when we find them at a certain juncture of this journey, that they were, that for them fighting giants was not a new thing. Not a new thing for the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, fighting giants had almost become a way of life. They often found themselves in battles where the odds physically seemed overwhelmingly stacked against them. I would venture to say that the most memorable giant that probably comes to our mind, that one etched into our memory most likely would be the giant that we grew up hearing about as a child named Goliath. It's the story of David. It's the story of David who so courageously marched onto the battlefield that day with little more than a sling and a stone. Now we do know that he had far more in, in, the, in the spiritual sense than a sling and a stone. Physically, that's all he took with him to the battle. In the end, Goliath was defeated and of course, Israel was victorious. The Bible or biblical description of, of Goliath paints him as an intimidating and certainly paints him as a formidable foe. The scripture describes many things about Goliath. 
The, the Bible talks about his stature, which if we put that in our measurements would be somewhat over nine foot tall. The Bible talks about his weapons of warfare, his armor, it weighed somewhere in the neighborhood of 125 pounds, just the armor that he had on. His spear, the Bible says, like a weaver's beam. The head of his spear would have weighed somewhere around 15 pounds. Goliath was a champion. He was not a champion that had just by proxy worked himself to the top, but he was a champion who had fought himself to the top. It was trophy after trophy after trophy, victory after victory, amen. But here on this particular battlefield, he was defeated because God was with David and God was with his people, amen. Now, there were many things along the way that frustrated their journey. We understand shortly out of Israel, they came to the Red Sea, the bitter water of Myra. Amen, on and on. There were many things that frustrated the journey of the children of Israel, but there was a promise that was made. And so when you get to the, when you come, if God has given us you a promise, and we talked about this morning, amen, if you were one of the ones with your hands raised like the children of Israel, we may face things that frustrate that promise. But if God has given us a promise, promise, amen, that I'm gonna stand. There's a red sea in front of me and there's an enemy coming behind me, but somewhere between here and there, God is gonna step on the scene and he did not one time, not just every now and then, but every time when they came up to a place of spiritual frustration, when they came up to a place where they'd said, I don't know, there seems to be no way, God just stepped on the scene because there was a promise, there was a promise at the heart of all of this. God had promised his people that he would give them the power they needed, the wherewithal they needed, the leadership they needed to get to the promised land. In scripture, we know that Canaan was the promised land, but I believe the promised land really and truly is a position of divine destiny. I know what the promised land was in scripture, but I believe that there is a spiritual promised land that God is trying to take every one of us to. And if I, I just wanna speak as your pastor today. Amen, I, I believe that there is a promised land that God wants to take me to individually, that he wants to take our family, my family, I believe he wants to take you to a place individually. He wants to take your family there. But I believe in addition to that, that there is a promised land, a divine destiny that God wants to take this church to. Amen. I don't want you to think this is just another sermon filled with false promises. But I believe the spirit of God has spoken to my heart again. Amen. Fanning the flame and the coal in my heart this morning. Amen. God is calling us to a higher place. Place. Amen. Look around you today. Amen. You can take a picture of this. This is not how it's always going to be. Amen. This is not how it's always been, but this is not how it's always going to be. Amen. The Lord has made you a promise and he's made me a promise. Amen. He's trying to take us to a higher place. Amen. There's something that I believe God wants this church to experience. I didn't come to preach to anybody else today. I didn't come to preach to another church this morning. I'm not in another pulpit today. I'm at home this morning. Amen. I want to preach to you what God has laid on my heart. Amen. I, I believe that God has us in the center of his hand. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I, I'm not oblivious to the battles that we have been through as a church. I'm not oblivious to the things that we have faced in the last few years as a church. But what I am here today to tell you is this, that we need to take heart. Amen. The word of the Lord that came to us, we need to take heart. Amen. We need to be strong and courageous because what God has spoken, amen, he didn't just speak that in a moment of, of, of a whimsical flash. God didn't just speak that, amen, to make us feel better about that one moment, that one service. But if God has given us a word, and he has, then right now, amen, we may be like the children, we may be like the disciples in a boat taking on a little water. Amen, right now, we may look around and see the dry and the barren land, but I wanna tell you, amen, what I'm holding on to is not what I see today. What I'm holding on to is the promise that he gave me in my heart. Hallelujah. And so I cast my vision beyond this morning. I cast my vision beyond next week. I cast my vision beyond next month. Amen. I'm going to hold on to what the Spirit of the Lord has given us. I'm not alone in this this morning. I'm not alone in this today. Amen. God has not just given a promise to me, but I believe God is going to confirm that promise in the heart of your life and your family and your home. And so I say, God, help us to realize, amen, at a moment of spiritual frustration, I may have to rise and press back. I may have to rise and push back against the pressures of the enemy that would try to put out the fire. Let's clap our hands to the hand. Clap our hands to the God that brought us to where we are this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Let's consider. Let's consider the journey of the children of Israel, if we will, for just a moment. First, we see them in Egypt's bondage. They're working under the mighty hand, the brutal hand of the Pharaoh. They're just common slaves. They have no life. They have no liberty. They have no freedom. But sadly, many of them had succumbed to the idea that this is just how life is and this is how it's going to be and there's no hope for us beyond this and so we just well settle in and this is how it will always be. But you see, God, God had a Moses. Amen, God had a Moses. Where was Moses? Amen, well, he was in the, he was in the Pharaoh's house but God took him out of the Pharaoh's house. Where is our deliverer? Well, right now, he's in the desert. Right now, he's in the wilderness. Right now, he's in a dry place but I'm going to tell you something in that dry place God was preparing him God was doing something to him through him and in him and God was about to send him back to the Pharaoh's house and back into Egypt but he wasn't coming this time he wasn't coming this time to just be one of the children that would be in the palace he wasn't coming just to visit his mama who had rescued him out of the Nile River no he was coming this time as a holy and an anointed man of God with a promise in his heart. Take your shoes off, Moses. Take your shoes off, Moses, because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. I've got a mission for you, Moses. I've got a journey for you to take, Moses. Amen. I've got a job for you, Moses, and I'm going to send you back down to where you've been. Well, for the children of Israel, for the children of Israel, it didn't seem like deliverance. It didn't taste like deliverance. It didn't feel like deliverance. It 
didn't feel like revival, but I'm gonna tell you that while they were bewildered and while some were settling for second best, God had a Moses outside of Egypt that he was working on. He was developing. God was putting something in him because he's gonna bring you back to deliver you out. Amen, that's where they were. The next picture we have of the children of Israel, they have heard the voice of Moses and they have heard the cry of deliverance and now they are no longer slaves to to the Pharaoh. They have been miraculously delivered out of Egypt. However, they were still a people without a country. They were still a people without a country. They were living with God's daily provisions and I'm not here to imply that that wasn't enough, but hear me. God said, I'm gonna take you to a place where you gotta trust me. You're gonna have to trust me for your water. You're gonna have to trust me for your meal. And I'm gonna give you enough to live one day at a time. In the morning when you get up, you're gonna have exactly what you need. Amen. Now, there's not a person here that would be comfortable with that kind of setup. No matter how miraculous it would be, no matter how wonderful that would be, there's not one person in this building that would like to have just enough food for today. And we're gonna go home and when we go to bed, that night there's not going to be one thing in the cupboard we're going to go to bed that night there's not going to be one ounce of provision but we go to bed with confidence that it's going to be there the next day God wasn't punishing them but he was preparing them amen he said I need you to learn how to trust me we read again and again where the children of Israel failed this test they murmured and they complained amen it's sad to think about people that were once enslaved sad to think about people that were once enslaved that had been miraculously delivered by the hand of God who now was struggling with God bringing them out. Amen. Lord, I want to help us today. Amen. Lord, help us to learn how to follow you. Help us to learn how to be led. And when we think there's not enough provision for many days and only enough for today, then I'm going to take what you give me today and I'm going to wake up with courage and confidence that you're going to be with me again tomorrow. Amen. But there's another, there's another picture. There's another scenario that's coming into the frame. And that's the third place that we see the children of Israel. And this is at the promised land. That place where the scripture says, even all the way back in Genesis, talks about a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Now, that is not a literal thing, but that's a metaphor, meaning that I'm taking you to a land where all things are good, or I'm taking you to a land that is filled with God's blessings. And so they had been in Egypt as slaves, and then they had been in the wilderness where God was just providing for them day by day by day. But now they're in the land of more than enough. And what looks like a blessing is taking them down a dangerous spiritual path. What looked like bountiful blessings, was, and it was physically, but it was going to challenge them to the core spiritually because now they're in a land of more than enough. And it's right here where we meet this Deuteronomy 3.11 character. The king of Bashan, who was named a man named Og. According to the scripture, the Bible says, and there remained only. Or in other words, there's just one more king. One more. We, we've, got a, we've got one more thing we've got to conquer if we're going to really get into the land of promise. 
And the Bible gives us some rather odd descriptions concerning this last remaining giant. We don't hear about his height. We don't hear anything about his weaponry. We know nothing about his history as a warrior. What we have is his name. And then what seems to be some random descriptions of his bed. And we only know two things about his bed. We basically know that his bed was made of iron and that his bed measured 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. Amen, that's the sum total of our knowledge about this last giant that has to be defeated before we really enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Nothing about a sword like that of Goliath. Whether or not he was a mighty warrior, we know not. Nothing about how many battles he won, we have no idea. None of these details are given to us. The Bible just gives us the description of his bed. Spiritually speaking, amen, I believe this is something that we really should take note of because it's possible that the giant's bed and the mention of the giant's bed represent some things that we are facing today. And I'm preaching to you about the curse of contentment. Amen, the bed would represent leisure or the bed could represent rest or the bed could represent contentment. Amen, the greatest giant that many of us face today will not be the giant of horribly wicked sins. Can I get an amen in this house? Amen, I'm gonna just say with confidence that I doubt very seriously there were people in this room today, amen, that were out involving themselves in the last few days in just evil and wicked sins. Amen, maybe a long time ago we got victory and deliverance over some vices that we used to have in our lives. Maybe there's some old habits that have fallen by the wayside that God has given us victory over. Amen. And while there is much wickedness in this world, I believe the church is fighting something that's a whole lot more sinister. Amen. It's not a pack of Marlboro in our shirt pocket. No, that's not. That's not our battle. Amen. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a suitcase of Budweiser in the refrigerator in your home right now. That's not where the real battle line lays. Amen. It's a much more sinister battle. We're fighting something a little more subtle than that. Amen. And we're fighting the curse, the giant, amen, the curse of contentment. Amen, I will tell you this morning, amen, the church, and our church is not exempt, but the church is fighting this giant of just casual commitment. I may be at church if nothing gets in my way. I may be in the house of God if, you know, if there's just no, no, no cobblestones in the path. Amen, I may worship when I get there if I like the song. I may worship with a preacher and preach with a preacher if I like the, the, the preacher or if I like the sermon. It's just that casual commitment. Amen, it's the casual thing, but I'm preaching to us today. Amen, I'm preaching to us today. There's one more giant. There's one more giant that stands between where we are today and where we wanna be. And so I'm asking us on this commitment Sunday. Amen, let's not just commit to missions and let's not just commit to the future of our church, but can we recommit to the house of God, the world Work of God and the and the and the and the mission of the overall church. Oh God, shake us and stir us. Amen. It is the giant 
the giant of casual commitment. It's that giant, it's that giant that says I'm too busy to go to church. Amen, I'm too tired to go to church, but I'm not too tired or too busy to do something else. It's the giant that says I'm too tired or I'm too busy to pray, but we're not too tired and we're not too busy to play. Amen, the giant says I can't pray for 30 minutes, but we can entertain ourselves for hours on end. Amen, I'm talking about the curse, the curse of contentment. Amen. I say, Lord, help us. I say, Lord, shake us. I'm not preaching just to you this morning. I'm preaching to me. Stir my heart. Stir my soul. Oh, God, help me not to stand and try to count the cost. How long? How deep? How far? How wide? But, oh, God, I pray, help me to wake myself. Get out of the bed of contentment. Get out of the place of ease. Get out. Get out. Get up. Rise to rise to rise and to lean with everything we have. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. The church, the church, including this church, is in a very precarious place right now. We have battled no less than almost two full years of a pandemic in our nation and that's been a serious thing and many people have lost their lives and I'm not here to minimize any of that. We have lost right here in our own church that grieves our heart and aches when we think about those things. But I will tell you that in addition to the serious loss, as I've mentioned before, amen, it created a veil. It created a veil of no accountability. It created a veil for all of us, amen, across the board. Amen, well, we may and we may not and we don't feel attached or accountable. We may be at church we may not be at church and and so nobody knows where anybody is because it's just a veil it's something to hide behind amen I hope you're hearing what I'm saying and I hope you're getting the spirit that I'm saying it in I'm not talking about people that have been there or people truly sick but I'm just telling you that that, that, that we, we lost some momentum the church at large lost some momentum through all of this amen and, 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 and I will tell you amen that the enemy cast that check he stepped right in. Amen. He stepped right in and seized that moment. I say this morning that we need to shake ourselves and wake ourselves. Amen. We need to, we, it, it ought to matter whether we're here. Amen. It ought to matter whether we're here. I, it ought to matter. It ought to matter. If the church house is going to be open, I want to be there. Amen. If the house of God is going to be, if, if there's going to be worship and prayer and praise, I got to be there. I got to do whatever it takes. I got to do whatever it takes. But I will tell you, and I'm not just talking about people in an apostolic church, but I will tell you that pastors all across America are not sure who's going to be at church. And especially if anything's going on. Amen. Is this all right? Amen. I mean, you know, if the weather's bad, something slight goes wrong, we're not sure if who's going to be at, we're not sure who's going to be at the house of God. But I get convicted whenever we're unsure what's going to be going on in the house of worship. Amen. And sometimes you you see these, uh, uh, I'm not picking on anything here, but I'm not trying to 
just specifically pick on anything here, but you see the cameras pan across stadiums that are packed out and people are sitting in the rain. Amen, they're sitting in the snow. Is this all right? Amen, they stood in line for hours. They paid hundreds of dollars to be there. Amen, they have driven countless miles. They paid four times what a hotel room ought to cost. Are you hearing me? Amen, and they're sitting there and we're worried. We're worried. Amen, we're trying to keep pulling the fruit down lower and lower and lower. We're trying to make sure everything's on the middle shelf whenever this ought to be the most important thing. Are you kidding me? Amen, if I can't get, if I can't get anywhere, I gotta get to the house of God. If I can't do anything else, I gotta get to the house of God. Amen, why? Oh, help us, help us, help us, help us. Oh, hallelujah, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me for not remembering the Bible characters' names right here, but there's a story in the Bible, amen, where one man, one man was commissioned to go with a message. He said, I need you to take this message and, and I need you to take that message and go and I need you to run it up to the, to the leader, to the king. There was another man that was standing there, Cushia, I think maybe was his name, and, and he said, can I run, can I run also? He said, well, well, there's no need for you to run because you don't have the message. He he said, but I know, but I just need to run. I just need to go. He said, well, you know, finally he said, uh, well, just, you know, if you feel like you need to go, just run on. And here is a convicting scripture to me. The Bible talks about the man that didn't even have the message in his hand. Amen. He overrun. He overrun the man with a message. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this morning, amen, when worldly things have got greater faithfulness, amen, when those things have got greater faithfulness there, than there is in the house of God. We're letting people without the message outrun the church that has the message. And so I say today, Lord, don't let us run empty-handed. I say, God, don't let us just run without a message. I say, Lord, don't let me run with nothing in my hand. But I say, oh God, we got something the world needs to hear. We got a song the world needs to hear. We got a message the world needs to hear. And so I say, God, I gotta push back against the curse of contentment. I gotta get up out of my easy chair. I gotta press myself into the purpose of your almighty hand. I don't want the world out worshiping me. I don't want them to out worship their God. Amen. I don't want them to out worship their God. Oh, no, no, no. Amen, amen, amen. I say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us that anybody has to admonish us to pray. Forgive us that anybody has to admonish us to worship. Forgive us, Lord, that anybody has to admonish us to get into your word. Amen. Amos said in 6 and 1, woe to them. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. I'm gonna tell you, it's not time to be at ease. This is not the time to kick it in neutral. This is not the time to see how far we can coast. This is not the time. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, people that are at ease don't want this kind of preaching. Amen. But we got to understand the value of being committed to the work of God. I don't want to begrudge a message that 
challenges me to change. I need preaching that'll wake me up, shake me out of spiritual lethargy. Shake me, shake me, shake me, shake me. I have checked my heart many times from the time God began to deal with me about this message until this step into this pulpit just moments ago. I don't want to preach a message like this in my flesh. I want to preach a message like this just in my own frustration. Amen. What, you're, what, what you see in emotion today is, is not my frustration. I, I, I don't want to come to the pulpit with that. I hope God, amen, will help you to understand that. But oh, help us to realize the value, the value, the value of leaning in. I mean, you can, you can stop almost anybody you want to on the street. And there's talk. Everywhere you go, restaurants, hardware store, it doesn't really matter where you go, there's talk that there's a shaking in the world. I believe there are many people who, who don't even truly, faithfully, probably serve God that believe God is coming. And yet I'm appalled shocked at where the church is. Over here experimenting with stuff. Things we laid down years ago, we picking back up. Commitments we had, we let go. Amen. If there was a day you didn't miss church for no reason, why are you missing today? If we think the Lord's really coming. I mean, this is a time to step up, not step back. Amen. If we really believe that God is going to do something, I'm, you're not going to catch me coming to church with my hands in my pockets. Amen. No, 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 no. I got to worship him and magnify him. I'm being sincere. I'm being sincere in my heart. Amen. I promise you with my spirit I'm being sincere. Amen. I need to ask myself why. Amen. If I if I sense the imminent return of the Lord, I don't want to be shopping over there. I don't want to be peering over the wall. No, no, no. Amen. I, I do not. I do not. I do not want to stand too close to the gate. Amen. What you know what David said of, of Abner? He died. He died like a fool. Amen. He died like a fool. Why? Because he was in the gate of the city. He he was in the city of refuge. He had already made it. He was already there. Amen. But I submit to you this morning that even though he was in the city of refuge, Brother Williams, he must have been camped out too close to the gate because he heard the cry of the enemy that said, come on, I just want to talk to you just for a minute. I just got one little thing I want to share with you. I'm going to tell you this morning, amen, when I'm talking about being in church, I'm not just talking about walking in the building. Amen. I'm not just talking about having our name on the roll. But I'm just saying, God, help me to be all the way in. Help me to get in as deep as I can. Give me a Jonah spirit. Let me run three days into this thing. Give me a Jonah spirit. Amen. Let me run into the center of this thing. I don't want the voices of the enemy. I don't want the voices of the enemy whispering sweet nothings in my ear. Amen. Oh, David said, David said in Psalms 13 and 3, oh, what sincere words. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Oh, God, 
Don't let me be asleep when I need to be awake. Amen. Don't let me be asleep when you need me at my post of duty. Amen. One man said it best when he penned these words. They're not original to me, but I share them with you gladly. He said, if all the sleeping folks would wake up, and if all the lukewarm folks would fire up, and if the disgruntled would cheer up, and the downtrodden would look up, and the estranged would make up, and the gossipers would hush up, the soldiers would stand up, the dry bones would shake up, and the church members would pray up, there's no telling what could happen. Amen. Through the power of the church. And so I say, Lord, help me not be lulled to sleep by the events that are going on in this world, amen, help me not to be lulled asleep, amen, but I pray, oh Lord, that you'll touch my heart, amen, so I will tell you, amen, that there's no telling, he said what could happen in the church, and so I wanna just personalize that, amen, I wanna say to us this morning that we'll wake up and fire up and cheer up and look up and make up and hush up and stand up and shake up and pray up, amen, I wonder what God could do in this church in 2020, and so if we're gonna do it, I gotta push back against the spirit of contentment. I gotta push back and say, it's not just enough to have good church. It's not just enough to have good singing. It's not just enough to have good preaching. Amen. We need to do something about barren altars. We need to do something about dry baptismal tanks. Amen. We need to pray down. Amen. We need to press through. Hallelujah. Oh God, help us to fight this one last giant of contentment. We gotta do something about this giant of contentment. Praise God. Praise God. Romans 13 and 11, and know, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake, wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And that would be by default nearer than we, we believed. We're older than we were yesterday, older than we were this morning, older than we were an hour ago. The night, though, he said, is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us there cast off, shake off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And so we need to be more committed than we've ever been. Let's go back to the time when nothing would keep us from our Bible and nothing would keep us from prayer. Nothing would keep us from commitment and nothing would keep us, amen, from the place of worship. Amen, let's commit ourselves to the work of God and if I can speak this morning as your pastor, I'm gonna ask you to commit yourself to the work of God and this church and not just the church. Amen. Nothing ought to be more important than this church. Amen. This house of God, I, I must be here. I must do what I can. Amen. Because the church is not a foreign entity. The church is me. Amen. And so if the church is, the church can only be as strong as each individual person is. And, and the church is only going to be as committed as each individual is and each family is. I want to tell you that our children need this this morning. I, I, no one, of course, planned this day. And but, but God, amen. But my heart was touched when I watched one of the young people that was up here on the platform Wednesday night for the very first time in the altar praying and seeking God. There's another generation that's coming behind us. Amen. Let's make sure that they don't just have a book that has testimonies in it. Let's make sure that they don't just have a little history about how things used to be but let there be a revival that is second to none in this hour. Amen. The greatest leaders are among us. Amen. The greatest leaders of our church are among us and those that are not sitting in this building this morning, I say in Jesus name are on their way here. Hallelujah. 
hallelujah. So let's not be at sleep in Zion. Let's not be casual around the fire. Let's not be warming our hands around the wrong fire. Amen. But let's say, oh God, help me to do all that is within me. All that is within me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Today, today is Commitment Sunday. We generally place a lot of emphasis on our missions, pledges, and things of that nature, and those things are important, and we're going to do that, but I felt stirred in my heart differently today. Amen. We need to commit, 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 commit here. Amen. I need my heart to come back home. I need my spirit to come back home, my thoughts to come back home. Amen. I'm asking you, don't just pray for our Sunday morning service. Sunday morning when you get up, we ought to leave out of this parking lot on Wednesday night praying, oh God, speak to somebody's heart between now, you got Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Lord, speak to somebody's heart. Let them be in church on Sunday. We ought to drive away from here Sunday praying, oh God, amen. We got a couple, three days here. Let's pray for somebody to be stirred to be in the service on, on, on Wednesday night. Amen. God wants our attention amen God you see it won't really matter what we give monetarily if God doesn't have our heart he wants our heart and that's what I want to underline this morning amen we need to recommit ourselves to the house of worship plain and simple amen in every way in every way I'm not just talking about I am talking about coming in physically but I'm talking about in every way that it's our heart it's our beat. It's the heartbeat. It's what we think about. It's what we live and what we breathe. Amen. I don't know if this is fair or even proper, but we've got a little, a lot of you know, we have a little poodle dog, and, and so we, we have to leave her a lot. And just by virtue of, of our life and lifestyle, and so I often pick her up when we come home and I said, are you so sad that a bunch of Jesus freaks adopted you? <laughs> Maybe she feels like she'd been better off just a good sinner family with her. You know, just a <laughs> so she sees us packing our suitcase up. She just starts holding her head down. She knows what's coming. See, that's the truth. She, she's, I come out with a suit on. She knows what's up. Amen. I had a reason for sharing that a while ago. <laughs> Amen. Let us be Jesus freaks. Amen. Let everything just be centered around the house of God, the work of God. Amen. I, I've been saying the house of the Lord, that's important, but the work of God. The work of God takes place at the house of God. Amen. That's why we're recommitting ourselves to the Lord today. That's why we're combining our services, our communion service. So I'm gonna, I know I've preached quite a while, but I believe the Lord's in this. Amen. But we have come to a special moment in our service, and I believe that communion is, is not, for us, is not just a religious ceremony. That's for sure. But rather, it's, it's a statute in the Bible, and if, it, and if it's properly understood, it, it can accomplish several things in our life. I believe that it can bring us into the presence of God, I believe that communion can help us deal with our sin. Even all the people that didn't say amen. Help us deal with our sin. And draw closer to him and restore fellowship with God. 
communion is a wonderful time to restore fellowship with one another. In this memorial, we partake first of the bread and and that is symbolic of the body of Christ that was broken for us. And, And communion speaks about the death of the Lord. And it was a death full of suffering and it was a death that paid the full and ultimate price for our sins. The scripture says that Jesus took the cup and the bread and and he took two common things. Bread, fruit of the vine. Nothing would be more common. But he gave it spiritual significance. He gave it meaning. He gave it an opportunity for believers to have an experience. However, the, the, however, the value of this experience really and truly all boils down and depends and is contingent upon the condition of the hearts of those that participate. Communion gives us an opportunity for spiritual growth and it gives us an opportunity for blessings and it certainly does that if we approach it in the right attitude. So I want to consider what it takes in order for me to receive the blessings that God really desires to give me. I remember many years ago hearing a message that a man preached and he talked about about how much God desires to bless the church and desires to bless you and I. It is the church. We make up the church. And it was the, the blessing of God's blessings and the wonder of what God is wanting to do in our life. I know that, that sort of sounds superficial, but under the unction of the Holy Ghost that night, it was, it was just the, he talked about the pleasure of God's pleasure. Parents, true parents, have no greater joy than to provide something for their children and, and, and to just see how that impacts their life and changes their life. And it doesn't have to be small children, but in order to bless your children. And so I, I think we should understand what God is really wanting to do here. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.